In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos Podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB as we get you set for the second half of the back-to-back Saskatchewan versus your Toronto Argonauts. JB, we've got a bunch of topics to get to today. We're going to talk about the idea of playing in a back-to-back, how you approach that. We also want to address the discipline issues and how the Argonauts stay away from trouble this week. They've also sort of got an extra day of practice due to the day off Saskatchewan has taken because of COVID concerns. We'll get into the injury report. We've got OCDC coming your way to one thing, predictions, fantasy advice, and our CFL picks. All that more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. Let's get right into it with the idea of playing back-to-back games. We see this a lot in the CFL, way more than you see it in any other league except baseball, obviously. Uh, how do you approach a, a back-to-back game in the CFL, JB? What's your what's your thought coming into uh, the second game, uh, seeing the same team in two straight weeks? It's really challenging because you don't want to overthink it, and there's not really enough time to make any significant um, changes to your to your defensive strategy or offensive strategy. I think that's the one thing you want to be a little wary of. You don't want to try and change things up too much. Uh, I think you just have to you just have to be aware. I would say you're just looking to be more aware of tendencies. So you know if you used a particular defense five or six times, on a particular down and distance, you just have to be really aware of that and and try and break up tendencies rather than put in a whole new defense because uh, then you, I think you end up being a little too clever and you just don't run it as well as you want to. So uh, you know, break up your break up your tendencies, which is a good thing, anyways, and uh, you know, go out there and and make the plays. I, I think you don't want to over overthink the the back to back, but it is very hard to beat a team twice because of how little you can you can really change things the second time i think the intelligent thing to do in back-to-backs is to approach them as a single game so that you it's not like you start thinking about the second game once the first game is finished you come into the first game thinking about the first and the second game knowing that you've got both of these things and then you can actually spend some of the first game setting some stuff up that you want to get to in the second game and we saw that from coach Dimity last year in the winnipeg back-to-back early in the season if you remember last year the first game didn't go that well we didn't get a really good game from uh in terms of quarterback play from really well either mcleod bethel thompson or nick arbuckle and winnipeg won that easily but then what we saw in the second half of that when they returned to toronto is Dinwiddie used a lot of those things that they had established early on. And so we saw a lot of double moves. We saw a lot of plays that looked like something they had done in the first week, but then there was a twist to it. And I would imagine that Coach Dinwiddie has a bunch of these things already installed that they've been practicing, but that they didn't show this past week. And so I want to see Toronto take advantage of those uh, as they get to the second half of this this back-to-back. But it is tough. It's like like, you know, we've... We've played in these before. We've, you know, we've seen these these games before where 
uh, you, you know, going up against the same guy again uh, in a second week, they know all your tricks, they know what you do, but that's where you have to be a little bit smarter and, you know, just a, a little bit more ahead of the game so that they can't just simply go through their film study from last week and shut you down. There's got to be little tweaks. But I agree with you. You can't you can't just like change who you are. You can't just say, OK, well, you know, we've been doing this all year. Now we're going to become this team. That's that's unrealistic. And so I don't expect to see that. How do we avoid discipline issues this week? Because we know Saskatchewan's been headline news for each of the last two weeks for incidents of violence. We know Toronto has a lot of guys, blue flame guys, as you call them, guys that can sometimes be provoked. And this is not a situation you want to get into in Saskatchewan. How do we avoid getting getting penalties, getting baited into stuff? How do you avoid this becoming a chippy game? It will definitely be a chippy game. Uh, I don't think there's any way to avoid it. I, 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 I would like to keep it just to uh, Shaq and uh, Edwards. I think that's the key is, is that it doesn't spill into everybody. That, you know, you can't have Peters being thrown out of the game. You can't have other guys taking cheap shots. Um, you know, it, would it be nice if those guys didn't take penalties? I mean, maybe. You know, I think this week you, you try and keep it reined in. But it is, you know, I... It is what it is. What makes them great also can sometimes cost you. I think you just have to be sure that it doesn't become kind of a team ethos or a team philosophy that we're an out-of-control team. You see that uh, sometimes in teams, and that that is not sustainable, that kind of bad boy attitude of we're just going to go out there and do whatever we want. If you can keep it just to a couple of players i believe it to be to be manageable and i don't mind the occasional penalty i don't mind playing right on that edge if it makes them play like they did last weekend the issue with other teams believing that they can bait you into penalties is that once that becomes sort of your reputation then every team every week is trying to do that to you and not only that the officials are also then looking for that when you've got a, a reputation with the officiating crew, that's suddenly a real issue because they are now focused in on it. They almost expect you to get these retaliatory penalties. And so it's something that they have to make sure stops right away. And you heard Enoch Mwamba last week after the game talking about how this needs to be a disciplined effort from the team and they can't get provoked like this. Uh, and that we have to see that this week. I think the officials are going to try and shut this down early. You can you can bet that there was a discussion this week between games where there's going to be a real focus with this crew on not letting things get out of hand. I would expect to see a bunch of penalties early in the game that sort of set the tone where the officials are saying, look, we're not going to put up with any of this nonsense. It's got to be a clean game. And we'll see if it ends up being or if this is one of those games that sets the record for you know most flags and a half or or a whole game, and I, I hope not, because otherwise it should be a really good football game. But I'm worried it's going to get. I'm worried it's going to get a bit silly early on. JB, the Argos, in a sense, have an extra day of practice this week, which is unusual in a back-to-back, -back, and that's because Saskatchewan is dealing with a COVID outbreak, and it being Wednesday morning, we don't know 
the extent of this right now. We don't know which players have been involved, but we do know that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders were not able to practice yesterday due to what they had called uh, an outbreak of COVID, a concern they had with a number of players and support staff uh, testing positive after their trip to, to Halifax. So we'll see probably later on today what this actually looks like uh, on paper. But what sort of advantage is it knowing that you've got a, an extra day on your opponent in a back-to-back? Because we're, we're used to there being an extra day here or there. The CFL schedule being a, a bit all over the place in its nature has one team a day or two more prepared, sometimes even more, uh, coming into any given game. But it's it, it never happens in a back-to-back. Uh, how, how can the Argos use this to their advantage? Is there an advantage? How do you see this? Yeah, every time you have another day of practice that's a huge advantage uh football is really different than any of the other major sports practice is like gold so to get an extra bag of gold you know is is only going to help you're able to you know you can you can uh polish up a couple of the wrinkles that you've put in you can increase your speed and your comfort level uh with a couple of different looks that you're giving uh, i think it, it it's an absolute advantage if everybody can go you know if if you have half the team not able to go 100 percent, then it doesn't mean anything and we'll get into the injury report in just a minute but it it is a little bit uh, it is a little bit unfair in a way uh, for Saskatchewan dealing with this because, uh, yeah, in a, in a back-to-back, you never have that extra day to prepare. And it's it's not like they'll just all have been sitting there. There will have been stuff for them to look through. They'll spend more time on film. They'll, you know, they'll take care of other things, but it's not the same as actually being out there on a practice field. And especially with most of the Argonauts being able to go in practice yesterday, uh, I, I see that as a real advantage. And I, I'd come into the second half of this back-to-back really thinking about this as what should be a Saskatchewan win. Mosaic's a really tough place to play. The Riders are a really good team. They're not a team that's typically going to lose back-to-backs to anybody, uh, both sides. And and it's really tough to for any team, any, any back-to-back, no matter which teams are involved, it's really tough to win two in a row. And so, you know, I didn't really give Toronto too much a, a of a chance coming into this one. But now suddenly there are things that are evening out the playing field. And I think this this extra day of practice could be one of those things. Let's get to that injury report. So the Toronto Argonauts injury report, there's a few guys on it, but it's been so much better than it was the first few weeks of the season. To me, the major concern is Darius Bladek, who wasn't able to practice with that ankle injury. And we'll see if he's able to go limited today. I think that's the hope. The one thing I'll say about Bladek is he was able to finish the game in uh, in TD Atlantic. And to me, that usually suggests that they're holding him out a day because they want an extra day of healing. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually hold him out a few days uh, because he is a veteran and then they get him ready to go. I would be really surprised if Bladek ends up missing this game just because he was able to come back in so quickly. He basically missed two plays, two offensive plays, and then came back in and finished up the game. So yeah, to me, this is, they're, they're worried about it. It is an ankle injury. It's, you know, it's probably a, it's probably a sprain or something like that. Um, and they just don't want him practicing on it at all. But I think come game day, he'll be taped up. He'll be ready to go. And this is just probably going to be something he's going to have to play with uh, for the rest of the season. That would be, that would be my guess on, you know, not knowing anything else. 
but yeah, that's that's the major concern on the injury report with with Bladek. Now, the good thing is the Argos have had uh, some guys return to the lineup. So they've got Theron Churchill, for example, who's back. So if Bladek can't go, they've at least got three guys to choose from. Gregor McKellar, he only played a couple plays last week, but he looked good in them. Uh, he's he's probably not fully ready to go yet, but I wouldn't mind having him in there. I'm okay having uh, Shane Richards in there and Theron Churchill, of course, as well, um, is, is now a veteran. So th- those those three guys are able to fill in if Bledick can't go, but I don't expect that to be uh, an issue. Now, the Saskatchewan injury report is going to be interesting, and it's, it's going to be worth uh, going through carefully when that finally comes out. They didn't have to issue an injury report yesterday because uh, they didn't actually practice. The big question here is going to be uh, whether or not Cody Fajardo starts. So Coach Dickinson said earlier in the week he's sort of a 50-50. And the sense I get is that a lot of the a lot of the Saskatchewan staff and and support staff and everyone else, I think they would they would like to rest him. I think they're really concerned. Like he's their ticket. They're not going they're not going to the Grey Cup with with Mason Fine or Jake Dolagala. It's Fajardo that's gonna do it. And I think that they would really like uh, with a four and two record to take a couple weeks, let them heal. They've got two weeks before the bye, and they haven't had a bye yet, right? So they've got some time coming up in the second half of the season where there are rests. I think that's what a lot of people would want to do within that organization. But Fajardo wants to play, and he wants to be out there. So, like, if, if you're Saskatchewan, how do you handle this situation? I would lean towards not playing him. Uh, I know in the West it's really competitive, and to to risk another loss is going to hurt but you have to look at the you know the likelihood of are you going to catch winnipeg i i don't think you are so then you just have to accept that and uh and believe that you're you know you're fighting for the two three um and you're going to need Fajardo for that and you could come I'm sure Saskatchewan should feel confident that they can come, you know, they can be competitive with Toronto with a backup quarterback. Um, So you're not giving up on the game, but you're at home if there were ever a time. Yeah, if I were a Saskatchewan, I for sure would sit for Jardo and, uh, you know, try and come at Toronto with a run-heavy scheme. And that's also a way to take advantage of the back-to-back thing. Like we just talked about having new surprises and different things that you haven't prepared for. This is the wild card that Saskatchewan is holding in their hand, is that Toronto doesn't know who's going to start at quarterback this week. Because it, it's not even it's not even 100% Mason Fine if if Cody Fajardo doesn't start. Maybe you see Dolagala and, and Fine platooning. They're... They're two very different quarterbacks. Like Mason Fine, he's not a very big guy, like 5'11", 190, but he's not like your typical runner either. He is more mobile than than the average quarterback, but he's got a really good arm. He's got a, a really nice, accurate arm. Dolagala is like the opposite where uh, he's massive. Uh, Dolagala is 6'7", he's like almost 250, a uh, really big body, and he's got a, a cannon for an arm. Accuracy has always been his issue, but he can move and and he can be a threat on the ground. And so having both of those guys come in where you can actually use their mobility, you can use Mason Fine to uh, change the launch point, you can use Jake Dolagala to actually bowl guys over uh, and be a physical presence to support 
your already uh, frightening run game. Um, you know, that's something that Toronto probably won't, like, they'll have a plan for, but they won't have spent all week preparing for the way that they're probably trying to prepare for Cody Fajardo. So I do think that's the advantage that Saskatchewan has coming in is that Toronto doesn't know really which of these three guys they're going to see most of. Other uh, issues on the injury report for Saskatchewan, it's mostly good news for them, I think. I, I would expect Mitchell Pickton to come back this week, so that's going to give their receiving core a boost. And I think there's a pretty good chance that we see Pete Robertson as well. So with both of those guys potentially coming back, that is going to pose some problems for Toronto that they didn't have to deal with in Wolfville. It's now time for your favorite segment. It is OCDC. JB, OCDC, let's start off with you this week. You are the defensive coordinator for both the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Toronto Argonauts. Let's start it off with the bad guys. So how do you stop this uh, Toronto attack that looked really good after the first quarter of last week's game? What do you do defensively if you're the, if you're the green machine? I'm really fascinated to see what they do. They clearly came in looking to stop the run, which they did, but then they lost the game. Uh, and I'm really uh, intrigued on how much they feel the game plan costs them. If I'm the Saskatchewan DC, I probably have to dial back a little bit on uh, on all run stopping and and give MBT a little more a little more credit, a little more respect. So I'm I'm still gonna run blitz. I'm still gonna look at that in terms of not letting Harris get in going. But I'm, I have to I have to play a little more deep coverage. Um, I can't I can't sell out. So I think I think the, the the strategy remains pretty similar in that you're gonna you're gonna fill the box a lot of downs, uh, especially on first down, and you're gonna really dare Toronto try to move the ball in the air on first down. And then on second down, I probably dial back that run and and really get into a pass-heavy defense. And, and that's what I would do. I would be run blitz, cover three, and, uh, and see what they do with that. On the offensive side of the ball for Saskatchewan, it starts with, I really, I don't want to start. Cody Fajardo, if I'm Saskatchewan this week, I, I not that it limited them. Like he does, even injured, he gives you the best chance to win. But like we talked about in the last segment, just going forward, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think of all the games, this is a good week to change it up because of the back-to-back -back thing. So I actually want to start Mason Fine. And a lot of my game plan is going to be uh, sort of dictated by that. Now, at the very least, if Fajardo is going to play, then I think you at least send Fine in there for some series just to just to give it a, a little bit of a change. Maybe you platoon them or something like that, or every every third series you send Fine in. But I think with Mason Fine, uh, there's some different stuff that, that you can do. So some of the problems they got into last week uh, was being really predictable within the run game. And I know they did have some success in the run, but it really just came out of a couple plays where Morrow was able to break free. For the most part, they had Morrow pretty well under wraps. And it's largely because they were going with sort of a, a bigger uh, a bigger run look on most of the run plays, and Toronto didn't have to do a lot of guessing. So I would rather they keep things spread out this week and not abandon the run. I think they should actually run a lot more. 
but out of a spread look and using their quarterback to supplement that. Again, Mason Fine, he's not he's not an amazing runner, but he is quick. He's got good feet uh, and you can use him on some carries. And like I said before with Jake Dolagala too, that's another guy that you can use uh, not as a running quarterback, but as a guy who can sometimes keep on those on those option plays. And I would like to get Mason Fine outside of the pocket uh, really rolling with a threat to run or pass. We saw Cody Fajardo last week have a lot of success when he escaped the pocket, but the difference is there was never really a threat that he was going to run. McLeod Bethel Thompson was the running quarterback last week, which was definitely not what anyone was expecting. And Fajardo just being banged up can't really you know threaten the edge that way where you're worried about him taking off downfield. So with fine, you can do that. You get him outside, you you change the launch point. That puts a lot of pressure on the DBs. And if nothing's there, he can take off and get some yards. So I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to move the pocket. I'm trying to create um, stressful situations for the defensive backs. And I'm going to run the quarterback on some of those where there is a real option. And then in support of the, the, the passing game, you've got that spread run now where you can also... Uh, try to isolate that defensive end and run some sort of uh, just very you know simple read option plays that Fine has run since high school uh, and you know is is, is probably uh, as, as set up to do that as as anyone on their roster. So that would be my strategy as the Saskatchewan offensive coordinator this week. Everything is going to end up looking totally different just because of those changes. All right, JB, you are the defensive coordinator for the, your Toronto Argonauts. Uh, what's the plan? Good question. Uh, I, I would probably look to to try and take away the middle of the field a little more. Um, I think the corners have shown that they can. you can have them out on an island and uh, – it's not it's not the end of the world you know that they can they can they can cover that deep outside nine route uh which is a nice advantage you know so i would have my safety maybe play a little more robber um you know with those baker schaefer inside routes i'd have him sort of looking to jump or crowd the middle of the field on the slants and the posts rather than helping the the outside so i would definitely like my safety be a little more underneath um, from a run perspective, you have to think Saskatchewan's going to try and really pound those three-man fronts. Um, but uh, I, I, I wouldn't overthink it. Again, I think you go with your three-man front and and let him try and, and run the ball. I, I don't think that's the danger. I don't think you're going to lose by Saskatchewan um, killing you on, on run up the middle. Uh, I think that uh, you know Moamba is, is going to put some punishment on that. So I I keep the three man front. Wouldn't bother chasing the quarterback. It's probably just going to end up in a lot of uh, late hit flags this game. I think if you even drive past a quarterback, there's going to be a flag. So I wouldn't bother chasing the quarterback. Just defensive lineman, get your hands up, take away those passing lanes between the hashes and. Uh, you know, and look to try and jump those uh, those slants uh, in the middle. I, I think that uh, the game plan should be very similar to to what we did. I wouldn't I wouldn't flip it around very much. You mentioning the stuff that you can do with Schaefer Baker just gives me 
an idea here, and I know I've already missed my opportunity on Saskatchewan's offense, but I wonder if they consider isolating him, you know, in those in those four by one looks. That's not something that they've really done a lot, but he's been so good as a receiver and he is a mismatch against pretty much everybody in the Toronto secondary. If you're talking about putting in Mason Fine or, or Jake Dolagala, the idea of having one guy like that, like Schaefer Baker, isolated can really simplify reads to you because you see how Toronto is going to line up to to contest that. Now, what does Toronto do in that situation? They probably leave whichever side corner is out there. I don't think they're going to do anything different. And if that's the only guy, then you pretty much go to Schaefer Baker every time. If they're going to bring two guys over there, so if they're going to keep the halfback on that side of the field, or if they're going to roll the safety over top to help, then you almost always go to the to the quad side, to the, the side with four receivers, because you've got sort of a four versus three um, mismatch over to that side. And I think for a for a quarterback like Fine, uh, who's got a lot less experience than Fajardo, knowing which half of the field he's going to be going to pre-snap was something that would be something that would be really helpful. But I, I just think that's that's an option we haven't seen yet. But just as you were saying that, I was like, oh, that's that's an intriguing possibility there. My, I mean, my, you know, if I were, which is why I'm not in charge, but if I were a DC, my instinct would be to put Peters on Baker. Um, you know, I love that lockdown. If you have a guy that you feel a team feeds up, even if he's not necessarily scoring all the time, but he's like the engine. I, I love just shadow coverage within uh, within a, a framework. Um, that that would be my instinct to just put you know. Baker goes for a drink and uh, Peters is there beside him. Uh, I I would love to do that a lot, you know, um, to try and uh, s- slow him down because he's a he's a momentum builder for that offense. And uh, if you take him away, I'd be curious to see what it looked like. But that that would be uh, an impulse I would have for sure. Yeah, it's tempting, but it's so hard to do that with a player like him because he can line up anywhere, right? Because he's so big, you can line him up, you know, right as the number three uh, out of out of trip sets. You can you can have him motioning, you can have him motioning to kick out a, a DN because he's got that size, or you can line him up on on the outside. So, for someone like Peters to follow him, I think if I see that as an offense coordinator, if I see that you, that we've got Peters following around Schaefer Baker, then I'm going to probably try and put. Peters in situations that he's just not comfortable in and move him inside. And suddenly Peters is basically playing a halfback spot or a, almost almost like a Sam linebacker spot when you've got him as the number three. And it makes it really tough on communication for your defense because it's almost like when you do something like that defensively, it's almost like the rest of the defense has to pretend that Peters and Schaefer Baker are invisible. And it's really tough to do because you're like, okay, this guy doesn't exist. So no matter where he goes, he's not mine. He's not my zone. He's not anything because we're locking him down. And I think it's really intriguing. I love ideas like that. And I don't think you necessarily do that with every play, but I think you could see uh, something like that in, you know, when he's lined up outside and you see Peter's Peter's travel. you You could trigger, you could, it could be formation triggered. Right, right. That's intriguing. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we'll see that. No. But I think that I like your instinct for that. Yeah. But yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I think I love doing that, but I know that's not that's not a, a sort of roundly held belief. 
No, well, you, well you, especially at the the pro level, you'll almost never see it except for with an outside receiver, where you'll see a corner travel with him the whole game. But it's it's so rarely someone that can also play in the slot, uh, and so I, I don't expect to see it. But uh, it's interesting. All right, for the Toronto offense, here's my plan. All of my work this week is going to be based on being as physical as you can possibly be. The advantage that Toronto has coming into this game is about rest. Remember, Toronto has had two buys. Saskatchewan has not had a single buy yet. Saskatchewan, like Toronto, is you know just traveled out to the East Coast. It's a much longer trip for Saskatchewan. They came back to a COVID outbreak. This is this is a team that is going to be exhausted. Uh, it's pretty much as tired as a football team can be in the CFL where there are usually times to rest, they have not had one yet. And being physical this week, we know they're probably going to be short on depth. We know their their injuries are starting to pile up. I think this is the advantage you have and you have to load up for that. So I think this starts with the run game. Last week, the run game could not get going at all. JB, like you said, I think their plan is going to be to take a little bit off that run game defensively because they, they lost the game ultimately, shutting down the run. And so now I think Toronto can take advantage of that. And I don't just mean going back to the run plays you've been doing. I really want to load up. So I want eligible linemen in there in tight end spots. And this is where you can take advantage of having a now healthy uh, or a now eligible Churchill and and McKellar. And, you know, use those guys as tight ends. Richards as as a tight end. Um, you know, have two backs in the backfield. Not every play. I'm not saying you run the, the whole game like you're, you know, like you're, you're Georgia. But... Uh, in certain situations, really go heavy and pound the ball. I would also, if uh, Robertson's playing, if Pete Robertson's playing, I would run right at him. I think that that's probably going to be my strategy uh, for the game. So don't let him be a player. Don't let him, um, you know, make plays from the side. Go right at him, target him. Uh, so in terms of the ground game, that's what I want to do. But I think this now translates into the passing game as well. Make it very physical out there too. Keep up with those receiver screens. Anything that involves every defensive player making contact on every play, I want to do. So those quick receiver screens and, and where you get your tackles out in space running at defensive backs, they've done that really well. They haven't. We haven't had one like break out yet. Um, like like we saw with Ricky Collins Jr. in that Calgary opener last year, although I think he fumbled uh, that one, but he ran for like 90 yards. We haven't had one of those yet. It's due. One of those is going to go at some point. And I think you keep keep pounding away at that. And then I want to see action off of that. So the stuff that we set up last week, like those quick receiver screens, now you pump fake on the receiver screen and then some send somebody deep over top. We saw Saskatchewan get beat on that last year. Uh, Deveris Daniels' touchdown last year in Saskatchewan was based off something like that, where there was a quick pump fake to the outside and then a uh, lofted ball over top for Daniels' touchdown. I want to see that. I want to see routes that were outs, speed outs, and, and comebacks last week turn into hitch and goes and, and wheel routes uh, and really take advantage of that aggressive Saskatchewan secondary. So that's my game plan for this week. It's time for one thing. JB, what is your one thing in Saskatchewan this week? <laughs> well, I, I got my pick six. I was pretty happy about it. Um, and I, to be honest, I, I always kind of want a red zone touchdown. <laughs> but um, I try to keep things a little fresh. Uh, I would love to see BD uh, be perfect 
as my one thing. I like I think he's been good this year, but not the force that he was last year. I'd really like, especially on the road in Saskatchewan, a game you gotta have. I'd like to see him um, be perfect. We got so desensitized to what having a normal field goal kicker is like that we end up getting so disappointed when BD misses like a 42-yarder, which to me is, it should not be a guarantee. Like a 42-yard field goal, especially in windy conditions, is not at all a sure thing. But we were so spoiled last year where BD just didn't miss a field goal for like nine games. And so uh, it, it just feels like anytime BD goes like three for four, uh, it's like, oh man, what's what's wrong with Boris Beatty? He he had a really rough game, and and really he's just he's kicking like a, every other kicker in in the CFL this year. But he is better. He is the best kicker in the CFL, and we saw that last week. So I agree with you. I think that's that would be huge for his confidence and for the team's confidence for for having John Haggerty as the holder and everything else, and not you know having a game where he goes three for three and has two of those be really long field goals, I think would be excellent for his confidence and the team's confidence in him because that matters. You can feel that as a field goal kicker, when you trot out there for a clutch kick, you can feel, you can sense when the rest of the team is like, "Uh oh, oh man, I hope, I hope this goes through. And that was a feeling he never had last year. There was no one thinking that when Beattie was, was knocking out Hamilton and the last play of the game and stuff like that. There was nobody that was thinking like, oh, oh my God, Boris, what's going to happen right now? Everybody knew it was going through. And that confidence is huge for a kicker. So I want to see the return of that this week too. It's not my one thing, but I think that was a one thing well spent. My one thing is is something you've been asking for, but I, I think it's so big this week for more than than the stat of it. This is just for, for a, a team building, for re- rewarding the right guys, everything else. I want to see an Andrew Harris touchdown. I think this, this has to be the week. He's worked so hard. He's so physical. He manages to still be a hugely impactful player, even when the stats aren't there. I think getting him into the end zone this week Having him celebrate with that O-line this week in Saskatchewan will be a huge momentum builder. And that could be the difference to get this team really rolling and create something uh, that, that launches them into, into a winning streak. Something the, something the East hasn't seen at all this year. So, yeah, I would love to see an Andrew Harris touchdown. Where are you going for prediction, JB? <laughs> um, well, my predictions have been quite cold lately. Um and I, I did, I was correct. It was a Saskatchewan home game, but the Argos were able to overcome that um, in, a, in a tight game. I, I actually feel um, oddly confident in uh, the Argos going into Saskatchewan. Uh, I'm going to bet that Fajardo doesn't play, and I'm going to take the Argos uh, 24-18 on the road nice 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 uh i i'm gonna go the other way with this i think there's i think this is a saskatchewan win i think i think it's gonna be a tight game i don't think this is gonna be like the last time and actually the last few times toronto's played in saskatchewan i think this is gonna be a tight game i just think there's so many things that are hard to overcome i think you may have a different quarterback i think that is always the first week of a different quarterback is tough the second week you can adjust for you've got film on but if they if they walk Mason Fine out there to start, 
fine is not as good as Fajardo, but it, it does really disrupt everything that you've done all week. And if Fajardo does play, you know, he's he's a better quarterback. And so it gives them, it always gives Saskatchewan a chance to win. But I think playing in Mosaic Stadium is tough. I think back-to-back road games is also really tough. And for Toronto, that's, that's what's happening because even though it counted as a home game, going out to the East Coast is a trip. And so back-to-back road games, having that second game in Saskatchewan, and then the second half of a back-to-back that you won the first half of, it's so rarely a sweep in the CFL or in in any league. And so I think with those three things going against them, it's a really tough ask for them to come away from Mosaic Stadium against the Riders having won the first half in your second uh, straight road game. It's just too much for me. So 24-20 Saskatchewan, man, I hope it's different. A win here would be huge for Toronto if they could if they could move now to 3 and 2 uh, and with some of the not to say easy games but easier games there's been some really tough matchups so back to back with you know playing Winnipeg then going to a back to back with Saskatchewan playing BC like these these have not been easy football games and so to come away with this especially with how much the east has struggled to come away with a win would be massive but it's not the end of the world if they if they drop this one it's time for our world-famous fantasy advice. Uh, this uh, fairly quick segment on this this week. We didn't see too much out there. We we love Zach Caleros, uh, 9215 In terms of quarterback prices, I know there's going to be a lot of temptation for people to go back to Nathan Rourke, but he's over $13,000 again. So I think you you just go with, with Zach Caleros. If you wanted a budget play, I do think if you find out pre-game that Mason Fine is going to start. I think for $7,000, that's actually a pretty good price. He's not your regular quarterback. It's not, it's, I'm sorry, that, that's not worded well. He's not your regular backup quarterback. He can actually, he can actually play pretty well. And so I don't think you're just flushing $7,000 down the toilet by starting him. I, I think I would, I think I'd probably go that way. Um, but Zach Hilaris in Edmonton uh, is, is huge, I think, this week. Now, for running backs, we decided to go super value this week. We've got Malik Irons, for one, Edmonton running back. He's only $2,500. And the way that I want you to think about this is, think of this as like if Don Jackson were to suddenly go to Edmonton and were $2,500, would you play him? Well, yes, you would. And Malik Irons isn't as good as Jackson. That's why Hamilton uh, let him go. But he's a really good running back. He's not far behind him. Malik Irons is skilled. And so to get a skilled running back, it looks like he's going to get the start this week. Now, again, check check injury reports and see how that's going to work itself out. But if he gets the start, that's huge value for you at running back. And Johnny Augustine, 3,807. He's kind of become the lead back in Winnipeg. It's still, technically, it's still Oliveira that's walking out there as the starter, but Johnny Augustine is getting way more production than Oliveira. We've seen his carries and touches go significantly up uh, since the BC game. And so uh, I, I would go there for a really good price. For receivers, this is where we suggest spending some money this week. There's a pretty good price on Lucky Whitehead, 8,631. He hasn't had a huge week in a while. They've got Hamilton coming in. Hamilton uh, has kind of been hit and miss and a lot of miss 
uh, this week playing in BC, a tough place to play, and it's a late game, a 10 o'clock start. I think Lucky Whitehead is going to have a huge day, and that's a good price. And then for our other receiver, we like Greg Ellingson. Again, it's a lot of money, 8871 but it just seems like every week. And last week, we got killed by... Uh, by Greg Ellingson and so we'd like to have him on our side this week he just doesn't put up bad numbers he just always finds a way to get open so you know we want to make sure he's he's in good nick and and healthy but if he if he goes into this week um healthy and starting I think that's a good play and then we'll go value for for our flex position and this is where we're going to get our Argonaut contribution Cam Phillips is a massive value play at 2,500 we saw him really coming to his own last week with with a huge game leading Toronto in in receptions and yards. He had that touchdown catch as well. I I don't know if he's going to equal that production this week, but he'll have something. He'll be on the board. And for a minimum priced play at flex, I think that's huge. And we splurged on defense. We've got the Winnipeg defense against Edmonton. JB, you're not one who likes to spend uh, that extra money on defense. I'm not usually either. Usually we go minimum here. What's the what's the the thought process behind spending four thousand three hundred ninety seven on the Winnipeg defense? Um, I, I just the way the numbers fell. I I don't think that there's the the running back room is is just you know there just isn't a lot of value there and. You end up having leftover money. I think that the money we saved on Caleros goes to defense. I think you could go a cheaper defense, but um, you know, for for a better quarterback. But I don't think the value is there. I think I think it makes sense to spend money uh, on the Blue Bombers taking Edmonton until Edmonton shows that they can stop a good team. Yeah, like I don't think any of the minimum plays are are a good idea. So the the four teams at three thousand two hundred, the Argos, where you know I like them, but it depends. Like maybe if you find it that that finds starting, maybe you go that way. I don't know. It it just seems risky. Montreal, like who knows what you're gonna get from that Hamilton in BC? There's no way. And Edmonton playing against Winnipeg, there's no way with that either. So you're really looking to spend on one of the three big defenses anyway. And I just think Winnipeg going against Edmonton, that's that's probably the best bet. If you wanted to go somewhere else, I would say the only other option might be taking BC's defense against Hamilton. But uh, yeah, I, I just don't know. They're, they're all about the same price at that point. So, so I'd take Winnipeg. Where are we going for our picks this week, <laughs> JB? You've been struggling as of late. I've been... Oh, I was struggling. I had a pretty good week last week going three and one. Uh, where are we going to go? Let's let's start with Montreal, Ottawa. So Montreal is at Ottawa. I, I'm going to take the Alouettes here, but I don't feel good about this at all. Ottawa is going to win at some point. Montreal is just a disaster, but I think they're just a better football team. So I'm, even though they're on the road and they just continually light themselves on fire, I'm going to go with the Alouettes. Uh, I'm going to take Ottawa. I I right. I don't believe in the coaching change in Montreal. And, oh, neither do I. And I think Ottawa is at home. Um, they have been a competitive team. They, they should have won the Hamilton game, uh, the world's most insane non-call um, cost them the Hamilton game. I think Ottawa doesn't get defeated by that loss, but, but really builds on it. And I think Montreal is taking on water i think i think ottawa sees a chance to uh to knock montreal off here so i'm gonna take ottawa at home all right hamilton and bc 
to me, this is the easiest play of the week. I think taking BC at home against an East Coast team for a 10 o'clock start should always be the play, regardless of which team that is going in. Hamilton, uh, they're better than the record still, but they're not they're not a good football team. They haven't shown themselves to be a good football team this year. I think this is a, an I think it's a pretty easy win for BC. This one I really thought about. BC's coming off a bye, which is a huge advantage. Um, BC got stomped, um, so they're going to be angry. I think the biggest question mark is how impactful the Winnipeg film and to some extent the Ottawa film, is for the league against BC. This game is really going to show, is BC for real, or did they just catch a couple of teams by surprise? Um, I'm going to go BC as well, because they're at home and they're coming off the bye. But I'm fascinated to see if that Winnipeg film really kind of shows teams how to uh, how to stop what they were doing the first quarter is going to be what tells us a lot of things and if you're not someone that wants to stay up uh, till one in the morning watching uh, bc hamilton uh, then you know you only really need to stay up to watch that first quarter if bc jumps out to like a 14 nothing lead in the first quarter then what it means is they found a way to adjust hamilton's very smart defensively they've got great uh, coaching staff and they will have carefully dissected what Winnipeg did to them. And if BC is still able to come out and put up an early lead, then you can go to bed because you know, okay, well, that's, you know, BC is for real. That, that wasn't, it wasn't some sort of magic that, that Winnipeg found an answer to. Um, but if it's tight after that first quarter, that could be the, the message that BC may be in trouble and BC is unable to adjust, that we have found something, Winnipeg has found something that you can, that you can do to them to keep them neutralized. Uh, Winnipeg at Edmonton. Uh, this this game I feel weird about. It's every sign points to Winnipeg. You have to take Winnipeg. No one's going to take Edmonton this week because Winnipeg's the best team in the league, and Edmonton is is probably the worst team in the league. Even though I know they've got um, they've got wins somehow. Um, it's best versus worst, and it just makes me nervous because Winnipeg having back-to-back high-stress games, BC and then Calgary, undefeated teams in back-to-back weeks, and now you go in against Edmonton. It's just so easy to take your foot off the gas. I do think this is going to be close early, but Winnipeg's just got so much more skill and a, a, an incredible coaching staff. I just think they they pull this out. I, I just I just don't think it's it's worth the risk. Like the gamble is just not there in a in a pick 'em uh, for Edmonton and Winnipeg. You have to take Winnipeg. If you're talking about point spread and stuff, then yeah, then for sure we can talk about Edmonton. But in just a straight up pick 'em, Winnipeg. Yeah, I like Winnipeg as well. <laughs> Edmonton cannot win at home. Obviously, at some point, that terrible streak is going to come to an end. Uh, I don't believe it is going to happen against the best team in the league. And we've got different picks for our uh, Toronto-Saskatchewan picks. As already said, I'm going with Saskatchewan. You're going with Toronto there. So an opportunity for you to catch up this week. So uh, I, I'm I'm off to I'm off to Regina tomorrow. I'm excited to get it to Mosaic to to cover this one. Uh, I I think I think this game JB coming. 
this the result of this game has the potential to really change the season for the Argos if they can win. If they can come out of this game with a win, I think the energy that they're going to come back to to the city with is going to be something that could potentially see them turn this into a long win streak. And I don't think a loss is that detrimental. So this this feels like we talked about last week. This feels like a, a house money game. Yeah, I, I think I think Toronto's going to play really loose. I think that's one of the the reasons I have Toronto is I think Saskatchewan is looking at the West and how every loss is huge, and Toronto plays in a division where nobody wins football games. Um, <laughs> so I think they're they're feeling loose and ready. I, yeah, I think all of that is in Toronto's favor. That will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. For JB, this has been Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya.